Again, it's a blessing to be gathered if you're a guest with us, and we do have guests with us this morning. Glad that you're with us, and I pray that this message will be very edifying to you as we continue to study uh, God's Word. If you have your Bible this morning, we want to go and mark 1 John chapter 4. That's where we're going to be diving into and looking at it a bit further. We started last week on the same subject matter in 1 John chapter 3, and we're going to continue and build upon our, the subject from last Sunday. What we look at in this is this, and the gospel, then the word, is love, as we just sang. And we start looking at what is expressed in 1 John. John is encouraging these Christians to look at what your faith is. Look at what you believe in. You say you believe in God and you believe that Jesus is the Christ and that He died on the cross. What does that mean? What effect does that have upon you? We can open up to certain passages like James 2 and see that faith without works is dead. Our faith must include works. And what we see very clearly in 1 John is that if you really have faith, it includes love. And what we believe in is in God's love. This is what seems very obvious to me. What you believe affects how you treat others. We see it in the world. The way that other people view others around them. You hear a lot of people talking about humanity and valuing others, and I wonder, what is that standard? What is the basis in which you love others? Do we look at others or do we see the image of God? Is that why we love? Do we look at others and see those in whom Christ has died for? We should. That's what should be on our heart. We realize what Jesus has done, how He has fulfilled the prophecies to bless the nations and to conquer evil And we look to Him for that example. He is our source of love. On Wednesday night, we've had some studies in which which we will follow up on sermons. And we'll do this next Wednesday night as well. We'll be digging into this lesson a bit further. But as I was thinking about this and and looking at the subject of love, I thought about how the gospel has changed me personally. And I talked about on Wednesday night that as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, what makes me different than a kind and a nice unbeliever? How has the gospel really changed me? You ever thought about that? If you put down a list of what would a kind atheist look like, what would a believer who is kind uh, maybe look like if, if the gospel hadn't changed them? And then how do I look as compared to them? How has the gospel changed me? Has it changed the way that I speak, the way that I treat others, how I might visit the sick and care for those who are in need and give to those who are in need or, or visit those who are in prison and the things that the Scriptures may entail as a part of love. So th- this is what we want to look at today. We start looking at the different persons and how the Gospel has affected us. A person's beliefs affects how they treat others. If someone doesn't believe in God and they think that we're just highly evolved apes, how are they going to treat others? I think you see that. I might be stepping out a little bit further here. Every time there is a mass shooting or mass death in this country, I'm one of those people that goes and looks them up on Facebook or whatever their social media is. I want to know what they were thinking, what their background was. There are a few that were associated with Islam, but almost every one of them that I've looked up have been atheist. They said, yes, I'm an agnostic. I don't believe in God. So what you believe affects how you treat others. And I think we see that with with atheism, with the disbelief. 
And one thing that I want to do as a Christian is I don't want to be someone who says, I believe in Jesus and I believe in God, but yet I act contrary to that. When my faith is in Christ, it should change everything about me. These are two scriptures we looked at last week. We look at the gospel and a word being love. Here it is. John says this in 1 John 3 and verse 16. He says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We know what it means to love one another because of what Christ has done. The example is there. And the question is for us personally is, is, is Jesus actually having an effect on me? Is the gospel of his death, burial, and resurrection actually changing my life? Do I view others differently? Do I love them differently? Furthermore, 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10, we read this. And this is the love of God. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us. How was that? That God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. That is an appeasement for our sins. And I think that's wonderful. I I look at the Bible and I go and I read through the Gospels and I stand in awe of God and how wonderful he is. How omnibenevolent he is. How all loving he is. When I look at Christ and I see Jesus and I open up John 2 and I see Jesus flipping over temples, I mean flipping over tables in the temple, I'm thinking about the love of God. How is he demonstrating love when he's doing that? Even in his anger, even in God's justice and righteousness, he's pleading with the world, come to me and repent and change and be saved. Come to God who is love and we see him. Right here in these scriptures. The Christian faith is a faith in God's love. So when I say I believe that Jesus Christ died and He was buried, and on the third day He rose from the dead, a very core of what we believe, what is entailed in that? What, what is a part of that is that I believe in God's love. I believe in what is demonstrated when Jesus was on the cross. When He rose from the dead. I see the wonder, the beauty, and the amazement of it. I see the sacrifice behind it. I think that makes a big difference. That in this life, we're willing to give sacrificial love because we think and we believe that this is not all of it. That in the end of this life, it's not just suddenly over and I might go into non-existence. But that I believe there's actual afterlife. And I've got a choice between living in paradise with God or to live in Gehenna and hellfire. What am I going to do? What am I going to plead with others? And when, when life demonstrates that it is eternal and we see that, We're willing to give ourselves in the same way that Christ did. We're willing to sacrifice ourselves because we believe in the end we will also rise. We'll have a resurrection to life again. And so our faith makes a huge impact on the way that we love others. And I think that we see that in 1 John. Many people claim to believe and know God, and yet they do not really have God's love in Christ. This is the dilemma. You hear it. We hear people say, okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe. I believe the Bible, but can people see the acts of love within you? Do they see Christ working through you? And I think that's a real question for us as we examine ourselves. That really is the dilemma, the problem that we face. Because I can say I believe, and I can say I know God, but if God's love is not in me as it's demonstrated in Jesus, there's something wrong. I want you to look at this morning. Turn with me. This will be our exposition. 1 John chapter 4. 
We're going to look at um, verses 12 through 16 in a minute. But these are my observations. This is what I see within the text, what we're going to read. Now, John says here, he says that we know that God dwells within us by his Holy Spirit. And John goes back to that, as we're going to read in a moment, that the Spirit dwells within us. And because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, he says there's an expectancy that God's love dwells within you. I'm going to add to that in a moment. But that makes sense, does it not? That the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us, that His love would be manifest in us to our brothers and sisters in Christ, starting there and then also to all people. And then we also see this, that a person knows that God's, God abides in them by the Holy Spirit. That's what John says. Then John says that Christians confess their faith that God sent His Son to rescue the world. And you start reading this, and I'm kind of thinking, John, where are you going with this? How does this all connect? You're talking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now you're talking about our confession of faith that, Jesus, that God sent Jesus to die for us. And then he says this. He talks about that faith that we have is that God sent his son. And then he emphasizes again, as he did before in verse 8, that God who is in love, who is love, must dwell within us. What do you do with all that? Well, let's read it again in the text and try to sum it up. 1 John chapter 4, and start with me, and let's begin in verse 12. John says, No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. You ever thought about that? That I know that God dwells within me by His Holy Spirit because I love others. I think that's a very deep thought. Look at verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. It's John saying here, this is what we would expect from someone who is a believer, that they would be loving others. Verse 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We testify, we confess this. Look at verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. The point is this morning, if you're really a Christian and you hold to your faith, God's love dwells within you. You're able to see it. You see that abiding love. You see it dwelling within you. You see the fruit produced from the Holy Spirit. And when you go and you look at the fruits of the Spirit, over in Galatians 5, Paul lays them out. And he gives nine of them. He says, these are things that are produced by the Holy Spirit living within you. These are the things. This is the produce of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that is mentioned there, Love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want those fruits. When I think about a life that is fulfilled and that the blessings that God has given to me, I think about those fruits of the Spirit. And as I'm reading 1 John 4, I cannot help but keep going back to the words of Paul and thinking, this is right. If I believe and I stand by my confession of faith that I believe in Jesus, I'm saying that I believe in His love and having that faith in His love, it's going to produce love in me. And that should be a fruit of the Holy Spirit, a fruit of reading and studying God's Word. I'm amazed at it. 
This morning, as I, as I look at this, and I was studying it this week and studied it last week as well, I was pouring over First John. I put most of my time, when I'm in a sermon series, it's always the middle lesson that's the hardest one for me. But it's also one of the most compelling. If we pay attention this morning and look at what John's saying, it has the most effect on our life. We see this, the Christian's confession of faith. In Jesus is the confession, I believe in the love of God. I know what it looks like because of Jesus. And John goes on from here and he says, because of this love and when it's perfected, and the idea of perf- perfect in the Bible, the Greek word is teleos, it means complete. When God's love is complete within me, I have a joy and expectation on the day of judgment. I'm afraid that there's so many Christians today, when they think about judgment day, they feel fear. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, because of the fear of the Lord, we want to persuade others to become Christians. But that doesn't mean that Paul's always living in fear. He lives in hope on that final day. And what John says here, he says, because when you have that love that comes from God on the day of judgment, because it's perfected within you, you have no more fear. That love casts out fear on that day. I wonder sometimes, I've heard some brethren say, I hope that when Christ comes back, I'll be saved. I'm fearful of that day. I don't know what's going to happen with me. And I would encourage you this morning, if you do this, if you believe in God and you love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there shouldn't be much anything you're, you're worrying about. You shouldn't be pouring over the gospel and saying, okay, here's 600 commands. I need to memorize every single one of them. Maybe I'm breaking one of them. I had a brother in Christ who was always saying, how do I know that I'm not keeping one of those commands? I said, all you can do is read and study and obey. And when you believe and you love God, you're going to do everything you can to observe those commands. And we can live every day in that kind of worry. But that's not what John teaches here. The Holy Spirit is God speaking through him. He says, perfect love casts out all fear of punishment. When that day comes and when Christ comes back, it's not, oh no, I'm going to be found out. It should be as us Christians, great. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to put on immortality, as the Bible says. My body will put on immortality. I will be changed and live eternally with Christ. I look forward to that. I hope you do too. And I think that's a big question this morning as we look at this as a matter of God's love being perfected with me is if I think about judgment day and I'm thinking and I'm dreading it, I don't want it to come. I hear some Christians say, I don't want it to come because I don't want to float around in clouds and play on a harp or whatever. And I'm thinking that's not the concept of eternal life in the Bible. It doesn't look like that. It looks like you resurrecting like Christ and putting on eternal life and living immortally in the presence of God and His glory. That's what we read about in the Scriptures. Christ has prepared a place for us and we should have confidence in that day. God's love within Christians, this is where people can see our faith. So we might be thinking, well, it's going to be because I'm always here on Sunday morning and I carry my Bible everywhere with me and I can quote Scripture And those are wonderful things and they show our love, but even more so, when they see our love that comes from the gospel, from Jesus' example, then they see our faith. And I hope that we can demonstrate that. This morning I want to encourage you with this passage as well. No one can love God and hate his brother. You ever been in a church where there is resentment between brethren? 
When one brother resents another and speaks against him or slanders him, that's the hatred we can see in the Bible that we don't want any part of. I want you to listen right here because the word stands out to me here that's another part in 1 John. It's the word liar. Read this with me. It's on the screen. We love because he first loved us. We've seen that already. Christian love comes from God and from Jesus, and it changes us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He's not telling the truth. The Greek word for liar means sude, false. That person is false. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Love in every place, in all places, should be in the church. And in 1 John, you see this. There's two types of, of liars that are mentioned in 1 John. There's the liar who says, I know God and doesn't keep his commandments. He lives in sin and practices them and continues to live however he wants, even though he claims to know God. And the second one is the one who says, I love God, but then he hates his brother. I want to leave you with this. And I think this is where John really completes his thought here. What does love for God and other Christians look like? In 1 John 5, you see this. John says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Those who really believe and have faith, they're going to become Christians. They're going to be born again. And whoever, that is born of the water, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of God. And so if you love God, you're going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And by this, we know that we love the children of God when we do what? 1 John 3 says, we'll give to them when we're in need. And this one says, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. You ever thought about that? The way that I show my love to others is because I read my Bible, I study, and I keep God's commands. Because I'm not going to go off in the air. I'm not going to go off in other directions. I'm not going to come up with my own philosophy. I'm going to stick with the commandments of God because that shows my love. Not only for my brothers and sisters in Christ, but for God so that I observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my words. You'll obey me. John 14. Am I keeping God's commands? A loving God and loving one's brother means keeping his commands. I've heard some that say, listen, the the commands are not what's important. The details are not what's important. It's just loving others. And I'm thinking, that's exactly what John spoke against. The person who says, as long as I'm loving others, God's going to love me. If I'm a good person and good people go to heaven, then I'm going to heaven. Or what they just said there is, I really don't need Jesus or God. I'm obligating God to take me to eternal life. Because I think I'm good enough and good people deserve to go to eternal life. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we need victory. And the Apostle John teaches this. He emphasized that the faith that is in Jesus, that he rose from the dead, that he is um, the example of love, that is the victory that conquers the world. It is love that conquers evil. It is kindness that, overcon- that conquers hate. It is that compassion that we need. And so John finishes his thought saying this, 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith in what? In God's love. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And John concludes there his thought with a question. I encourage you this morning. We read through this text right here. Don't let it just go in and out. Think about it. Do I show love for my brethren? Am I there for them? Do I hate my brother? Am I resentful toward my brothers and sisters in Christ? Those are things we need to repent of and put away. This morning I want to encourage you. The Bible says that if you're born of God, you're going to know his love and you're going to give that love. We want to continue to give that love. This morning, if you have not been baptized, you are not a Christian yet. The Bible says you need to confess your faith, that you believe in what Jesus did. You need to die to your sins, that is repent, to be buried in the waters of baptism and rise up to have eternal life. And this is how we're born again. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God.